This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I am here today with Mark Barish. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah, I'm excited. You're sitting outside having this conversation with me in this beautiful, lush, green um, backyard. You know, very fitting setting for a conversation about regeneration, the, the principles of nature, and systemic change that is inspired by the principles of nature. And Mark, you've been you've been on this pursuit for for quite a bit and and yeah. possibly longer than many others because you've seen that sustainability is is kind of more like a a buzzword to try to band-aid uh systems that were never functional to begin with precisely i mean my, my model really comes from healing um i spent a certain part of my career writing books about healing i i've been a cancer patient um i was inspired by Holistic health, models of holistic health, where, uh, you know, there are interlocking systems and synergies. You can't just treat symptoms. You have to treat the, the soil, the terrain. As, uh, you know, there was a big divide in medicine uh, back in the 18th century. Uh, is it the, the terrain of the body that's problematic or is it the symptomology? And the, the symptoms fixers won. And of course, that was a great breakthrough for science. But in the process, what was lost was the, the terrain, and, uh, you know, what's called psychoneuroimmunology or biopsychosocial medicine. So I think regeneration is sort of like biopsychosocial medicine for the planet. Uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's a brilliant um, metaphor. Yeah, having had the experience of my own body being sort of uh, laid waste and uh, uh, being like, uh, land that had regenerated degenerated i suppose and then having had the experience of no you know no matter how barren anything is whether it's a life or a psyche or a body or an environment um it can be regenerated through care right and looking at things in a, in a holistic way and so i was sort of primed for it uh from mm. that from and also path, yeah. from my own path yeah i mean i've i'd wrote a, written a series a series of books really on, um, I guess, uh, the pursuit of the whole, you know, which is how Plato defined love. Uh, so, um, you know, how do we move from being uh, in parts, partial, fragmented to, to being whole, whether that's uh, mind or body or society. Uh, and I had um, done a kind of a trilogy of books on healing and, and various dimensions, uh, but there were all this sort of holistic model. And then I did a book on compassion called The Compassionate Life as an extension of that. And then from there, I just felt, well, enough, as Goethe said, enough words have been spoken. Now let us see some deeds. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I'm just running around talking about you know important things and things that inspire people. But at what point does it affect actual people who are suffering on the ground? Well, let's and talk I, let's I, talk about this because you you found that Green World, right? Which is one of those projects to, to bring together those who understand the talk and, 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 and connect with it, but to actually move into the embodiment of it and in different places across the planet, because this is kind of the, the, the genius thing about regeneration as a movement, right? It, the principles apply to the biological well-being of the planet and people. So they will apply anywhere, no matter which bioregion we're in, no matter which, which, you know, kind of, um, yeah, what, what what kind of symptoms are there left by the old system? Exactly. So where did you guys start? Uh, well, we, we started in Ethiopia. Um, mm -hmm. I had um, been looking for something to do, and this was also an experiment in synchronicity, I suppose. I mean, I think there are a lot of layers to reality, and it's good if our work reflects as many of them as possible. Uh, so this was sort of asking you know, uh, to be a little bit trite, maybe, or new agey, but what does the universe want? Mm -hmm. And I ran into a guy who had been doing agroforestry in 2005, which I'd never heard of before. Um, I mean, I'd been, you know, a staunch environmentalist. I'd done global broadcasts for Ted Turner that were radical enough that the sponsors all canceled and they, they broadcast anyway. I mean, seeing something dire coming, but realizing that it's not enough as the old environmental movement first did was sort of wave your arms around and try to, you know, mm -hmm. scare people. It's coming, it's coming. Uh, that's not very inspiring. And um, as I mentioned, I had done this book on compassion and I was on a book tour and somebody came up to me and said, I want to join your movement. I said, well, I don't have a movement, but I'll try to invent something that we could all do that would be compassionate. It would be an expression of compassion. Right. 
Then when I met this guy who had been doing agroforestry, I thought, well, you know, has everything. I mean, it's it's obviously helping people. It's helping uh, biodiversity. It's regenerating soil. It's providing economic benefits, health benefits. Um, there, it seems to address all the things that I care about. So he invited me to go to Ethiopia. Um, I we went to uh, an area called the Garagi Zone, which was uh, a Muslim area, um, and I found myself at one point kind of the only white face among ten thousand. Muslims who, who uh, you know, there was a certain radical component that had just burned down their mosque. It was, it was really interesting. And, and they were um, growing coleandra trees. Mm -hmm. um, and these are very good for soil, but they also create, they also have these incredible red blossoms that uh, pollinators prefer. So this was prospering the honey hives in the community. And I just saw, oh, this is how it works. It's, it's people and planet. It's, it's uh, looking at this, uh, uh, Wendell Berry put it very well, the poet, he said, solving for pattern. Or mm -hmm. um, Buckminster Fuller was asked once, how do you solve a problem? And he said, well, you start with the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was looking at, okay, what is the what is the whole the whole on that consists of people in planet, community, and environment? And then how do you solve for that? And they, they were figuring that out. So um, it was really kind of an initiatory experience. I, I wound up with a, a very severe case of malaria that I nearly died of. And it was kind of oh, a huh. uh, wow. an interesting remaking of, of, of one's being. It's an initiation, right? When you yeah. nearly go and then you return, uh, you're not quite the same. It's the old shamanic model, if you will. So it was a very profound experience on many levels to and then to realize that of course we have as you said this is global it's a glow it's global and it's emergent there's nobody's promulgating any great doctrine necessarily i mean the you know the core principles of regeneration are are disseminating but fundamentally it's it, it is the process of emergence and it's it's emerging everywhere and in ethiopia i became very aware of that i was talking mm -hmm. to people that think the way I was thinking, and it came out of their in, indigenous traditions and kind of a return to the old ways. I mean, you mentioned like, you know, giving up the old models. Obviously, we need to sort of uh, hospice the old and, and uh, you know, midwife the new at this point. And it has to be uh, a, a system change, as you say, it has to be a phase shift. Um, but at the same time, that phase ship obviously has a lot, owes a lot to indigeneity and indigenous mm -hmm. traditions. So well, that is, also became- This is where it gets very... so interesting between the mm. concept, right, of the systems change, opposed to just the embodiment of actually changing things that are in integrity with the indigenous uh, way of being, we, you know, which at this point, I think many people realize that we're all indigenous to the earth because we've lost this. We've we've allowed ourselves to pretend we're we're part of the machine world or something, yeah. But but so these 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 moments of action. This is something that talk about Ethiopia. I think you've planted over a hundred thousand trees in Ethiopia at this point. Well, we had you know we that was where we first worked. I'll I'll, I'll fast forward and say after working in I think nine countries, we wound up in Kenya, and mm -hmm. I've been focusing on Kenya for mostly for the last ten years. And we planted four million trees there. Uh, on, on next to nothing. I should mention this has been a volunteer effort. That was mm, part of the wow. the frame was my feeling was I don't want to just be a charity that is no offense to the great work that charities do, but there's a certain element of kind of dining on the backs of people who are making $2 a day uh, and having the big offices and the, you know, it's, it's all good uh, and far be it for me. But I, I just felt like, I wonder what would happen if you just start with nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I was kind of showing off for my girlfriend at that time who was asking me, what do you do? I don't understand what you do. And I said, well, you know, watch this space. This is an empty hat. And out of emptiness comes fullness. Something something emerges mm. out of, out of uh, intention and uh, uh, some, some degree of sincerity and uh, what the Buddhists call skillful means. I mean, this was sort of me returning to a very early vow I'd taken studying Buddhism in my 20s mm. and, and uh, with a Tibetan Lama. And he tricked us into taking the Bodhisattva vow, very incautious thing to do. And it haunts you. And it was sort of like, okay, what does that mean? So uh, this was an experiment. And I wonder what will arise if I kind of decide I'm going to devote my life to doing the most good that I can. 
and I dropped everything. I dropped a you know pretty good career at the time also, and just wanted to see what would happen. And uh, so we eventually did wind up in, in Kenya after you know practicing, I, I guess, in a lot of other countries, Philippines also, conflict zones in some cases, um, and um, just essentially wound up with no program. You know, sometimes you shed things as you go along rather than accrue them. And this was shedding preconceptions. Mm -hmm. And by the time we wound up in Kenya, it was basically like, well, what do you need? What do you know? How can we facilitate? Um, and uh, which is really the principle of regeneration anyway, in, in many ways. It's just adding, if you add a little shade and moisture to what seems to be degraded barren land, uh, things begin to come up just from that. And let's, sometimes let's, there are things that have been there a long time. Let's slow down on this example for a second, though, Mark, because yeah. what you said is like pure gold right there. It's we're facilitating the process of regeneration, right? Rather than uh, pretending that we are the, the ones regenerating everything, I think, which is a, a big distinction to sustainability as well, is like, we've got these elaborate modern systems. They're great. We just need to add sustainability to them. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. that's another one of those you know reductionist kind of uh, falsities yeah. but when we look at regeneration it's a process that is inherently part of nature right and we as the human gardeners or, or caretakers i mean i love that you you know started this conversation with with compassion and and care which are the theme the themes in your books and the, the core elements of your of of what you what you teach and share and and walk in the world we really just have to learn to understand different bioregions and what, what they might need in any given moment of time. So as you said, like if we add some more biomaterial back to the soil, the soil now will be a bit more moist. And so the fungi kingdom can kick back in and suddenly nutrients get shared underneath the soil and more things grow again. And suddenly the cycle of life is there without us doing a whole lot. Yeah, with, with an inher inhering intelligence. Right. And, um, you know, my college roommate uh, was a man named Kenneth Ossible, who started Bioneers. And I think the, the slogan of Bioneers is something like it's it's all connected. It's all relatives. It's all intelligent. Mm. And when you, uh, you know, are working in places where uh, traditional cultures are still alive, like we wound up at one point in, in uh, uh, Imo State in, in Nigeria uh, and, and the Igbo people have two amazing sayings. Uh, one is uh, life to all life. It's kind of like biophilia prime, right? Mm. And the other is uh, they have this, they, they call it clever world. Uh, it's a kind of an almost mystical concept, but it's at the, you know, it's, it's again, this idea of there's an inhering intelligence, right? How does a seed know how to grow a tree? I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, we know scientifically, but uh, there is a dimension to it that's, you know, that, that the level of information contained and the, the program for, for growth and thriving that already exists that, that needs to be encouraged, just like with people. You can't, you know, uh, it's, it's very hard to change people. You know, it's one of those, the door unlocks from the inside. So a lot of the door for regeneration is um, unlocking from the material at hand, the, what Jung called the prima materia, right? the soil, the, the negrito. Uh, and there are certain um, facilitations that you can do. But, uh, you know, when I look at a lot of the sustainability projects, as you said, which is kind of mm. add-ons and, uh, you know, all due respect to Jeffrey Sachs, who I've met a number of times, but Millennium Villages were not the answer. I don't know how mm. much was spent on that, $100 million maybe. But you can't sort of figure it out and then, you know, air freighted. <laughs> to mm. There's something very right. interesting in, in, you know, us coming back to, to this comparison between sustainability mm. and regeneration a few times already. And mm. for me, the theme throughout hundreds of podcast episodes has been over and over again, concept versus embodiment, right? Like, of course, some things might make sense in the, the theory of the mind, but reality isn't reductionist. So we have to actually emancipate over reductionist scientificism and understand that things that are in alignment with or in attunement with the life force that created everything, they will probably be pretty simple. Like for sure, everyone can touch, feel and smell them. Meaning every single person without an expert can touch soil and have an experience with that and understand is that soil 
uh, fertile? Is that soil barren? Is that soil being uh, poisoned with Roundup? Is that right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's something quite simple that we don't even need to have two decades of education and schooling for first. I mean, certain elements of that will help, mm -hmm. but, but at, the, at the core, being a human being, we are able to connect with that principle of life. It's a lived experience and we all share it. Yeah, it's the beginner's mind idea, right? So the old mm -hmm. saying in the expert's mind, there are few possibilities and the beginner's mind, there are many. Mm -hmm. uh, so by going into, let's say Kenya is an example and how we evolve these programs. I mean, I certainly would not have considered myself a particular expert, but um, things would, would arise. So for example, one of the people that was working with us in tree planning turned out to be someone who had been an elementary school teacher. And I said, well, could we create um, a, a, you know, some kind of echo courses or club or some, some way of working with the next generation in the school system. And he sort of came up with this idea of green world clubs, essentially, and uh, taught kids how to plant seedbed nurseries, started with one school and was also nutrition for them. It was also a way to introduce uh, kind of multi-purpose species into their farming communities, which, you know, have, had lost a lot of these traditions and were planting monocrop almost monocrop maize, et cetera, not, not the best thing to be planting. And um, then it, it sort of caught on. And uh, there was one school that like that had somebody who painted murals. So all of a sudden the school said green world and had our logo on the side because the kids were finding that enlivening. That was like the, the fertilizer, you know, and, and then it began to sort of affect the whole school. Then the community started using the school as a community center, an innovation center. Um, and uh, that became part of our, our model uh, till we had uh, 85 schools now in, in that area. I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of kids have been through these kinds of programs. We didn't build the schools. We looked at what was already there and we looked at the transformational model. You know, how do you benignly hack into what already exists and, and, and potentiate it and see what people want to, to potentiate. Uh, then it turned out that somebody else um, knew some of the indigenous elders in these kaya forests, which are the revenants of the great coastal forests of Kenya, uh, which have mostly been cut down. But these survived because they were sacred and they had custodians in the, in the elders who said, no, this is when we cut this. This is when you hunt that or you don't hunt that. This is forbidden. You know, religious rules that were really uh, biocultural models of how mm -hmm. to steward an environment. So we began to bring the kids up into the Kaya forest. So there hadn't been that much contact between them. And the elders were able to sort of transmit this knowledge to them. And the kids were able to help them to restore these Kaya forests, which are actually UNESCO heritage sites. And that began to become part of what we did. And that led to a youth movement of uh, kids who uh, adopted a slogan, plant a tree, harvest peace during one of the contested elections. Beautiful. And we're marching in the streets, uh, talking and, and, and using some of the indigenous ideas that they had got, you know, been reacquainted with that had been somewhat forgotten. Um, and, and it's sort of the idea that inherent again in um, in the world is, is, is the medicine, you know, even the old alchemical formulation and the poison is the medicine in the chaos and the confusion that we have is some kind of wisdom uh, waiting to be born out of that. And so we found that a lot of things, even though we have you know, obviously thought very hard about this and worked very hard, and as I said earlier, essentially worked on nothing as part of our experiment in the sense of like, well, um, you know, how will this even happen? If we don't do it the traditional way. What if we don't go to the big foundations, which are constantly asking us for single outcome metrics when that's a ridiculous concept? A single outcome metric will ruin everything that we're doing. It won't work. It doesn't work. It often, you know, you look at it 10 years later and it's been, you know, you've been, someone's gotten paid to dig a hole and someone's gotten paid to fill it back in. That's yeah, kind of yeah. the essence of sustainability, right? It's it's not negative entropy. It's not it's not uh, synergy creating something new. So, we we just found that um, you know if we we just followed the the uh, the lines of force, if you will, you know the way you uh, when you're a kid you you put a, a magnet under something and then you put the iron filings down and lo and behold there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite fascinating when we follow the patterns of nature and when we, you know, dare to disconnect from those single metric um, 
kind of ways to look at anything. And I know for a lot of people in our personal lives, this is a process that is happening. For some people, it already has happened. Uh, for some people, it has happened like for you, uh, you know, dec decades ago with so much commitment. But I want to hook in one more time here. Like when that moment happened, where you're like, I got to leave this current career and I'm, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to regeneration because not just do I believe I'm right, I can feel that this is actually what life is calling me for. Sure. This is a quite courageous step, right? Well, well right? I never had a normal career, so I was lucky. I was thinking about this, like a lot of people I've found that I've talked to, you know, you kind of have an intimation when you're a kid. Mm. And I just always felt like I'm going to find a path in life that will, you know, be, I don't want to sound pious here, it sounds ridiculous, but to be of service, you know, that I sensed that there was a crisis uh, when I was quite young and uh, it was coming and I did my best to respond to it. So, you know, I spent my 20s studying Buddhism, basically. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, my first job uh, after dropping out of Yale was washing dishes. And mm -hmm. I did that for a good while. They actually had to fire me to get me out of it because I basically say that you could do more. You wouldn't have left. <laughs> You'd have been Buddhist well, all the way. Well, it, well it finding became, the true happiness in washing dishes. Yeah, yeah it was, it was yeah. Uh, you know, a path in a way. And I did yeah. a lot of other things like that and <clears throat> wound up doing magazines and, and uh New Age Journal back in the day and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So er everything, I, and I'm not going to give a you know long, uh, boring resume, but but basically, those lines of force seemed to be pretty visible for me. So yeah. it was sort of groping around, trying to be additive in any way that I I knew, and and basically to be honest, spending long periods of time uh, not doing, an old Buddhist mm -hmm. trick, you know. A lot comes I'm, out of, I'm with you. Out of I, not doing. I, I do believe that if we want to achieve great things and do big things, then we have to do a whole lot of nothing in between so that there's a, a balance with it, right? Because the, the push, 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 hustle culture, um, you know, at, at my generation, uh, it definitely, it just results in burnout. You know, I, I don't know anyone uh, from back in the school days that hasn't, you know, now that they're in, the, my friends are all in their 30s, like I am. Um, my friends from those days, um, who hasn't to some degree or other experienced that if they just keep running it, that's what it's going to result in. So we already know that, you know, from lived experiences like this, this cannot be the path forward. And you, you, you already summarized a few of the, the clarities, right? One is kind of the theme we're meeting on in this podcast. It's, it's really not about adding sustainability measures to something. It's about understanding the, the core principle, which is regeneration. The second one I heard you say has to do with, re I would say, reclaiming our in indigeneity or, or understanding that there are still indigenous wisdom holders that are living according to some of the principles that humans have learned for thousands of years to live in, in symbiosis with the ancient forests. Which is agroecology, the oldest form of food production, of course. Yeah, right? agroecology. And so on the path forward, Mark, what are what are some ways how we can take these two um, you know learnings of regeneration agroecology um, into? I personally don't even like saying fighting climate change. I think that's a totally uh, inhibited narrative for me. It's it's just about a thriving planet, you know. Um, and so what what does it take? Like how do we learn from these mistakes from the past and and come into this balance individually, but also you know collectively because. It still seems like there's massive counter forces operating. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know well, anyone whose head isn't spinning yeah. in a paradox about it, all it, of this. You know? It is a moment of confusion for sure. And mm -hmm. out of that, uh, evolved something else, right? Which we're in the midst of. We can't see it. Yeah. Uh, but I think you know, it, it's in a sense we're asking, what is our civilization for? You know, mm -hmm. different civilizations have had a sense of a mission, whatever it was. You know, sometimes benevolent, sometimes not so benevolent. Uh, and of course, we've, uh, the West has become, you know, to some extent consumers, right? It's like, here's your life, it's, it's handed to you, this is what you're, you're to do. And um, there are very few, for example, examples of any of what is a regenerative enterprise? Mm -hmm. What is an, an enterprise that actually by its operations is being, uh, is, is regenerating communities and, and landscapes, and people are getting paid for it. Right, because I'm not I'm not advocating, you know, complete volunteerism. It's not going to work. People have to have make be able to make a living. So we're we're look, you know, it's kind of like um, 
you start looking at one thread in the sweater and you, you see like all the threads are connected and you almost have to make a new sweater or you have to find out which threads in that sweater are, are you know, can be, can be um, it's a bad analogy, but it can somehow be fortified, you know, and capitalized on and the best sets. And we don't know what that is yet. I mean, we are now having been, you know, kind of small, but with, I must say, some grandiose ideas of regreening the world, just taking a little longer than I thought. I mean, I started this 16 years ago, and the slogan was regreen the world in one generation, because it seemed to me, if we didn't draw down carbon into the 5 billion acres of degraded land that had just been discovered around that time that I started, I was working with the UN Forum on Forest Secretariat, and they just recalculated the amount of degraded land from about 2 billion acres to 5 billion. And um, John Holdren was the uh, a science advisor to the Obama White House and was saying, well, the way to do that is trees, uh, restoring degraded land, uh, vegetation, um, and you can draw down carbon. This is before drawdown was even the vocabulary. And, um, you know, that that is something we have still yet to really tackle to say that there are, uh, you know, I suppose direct air capture may someday be a viable technology, but not to sound like a, a Luddite a technology will be part of it, but I think that we have this opportunity staring us in the face of regenerating vast tracts of degraded land. So that would employ a lot of people, certainly the developing world, where you have these massive youth populations, right? And the, the one thing the government fears most in any of these countries is youth unemployment because they they can be radicalized. And uh, to re, to you know do reforestation, afforestation, conversion to agroecology, uh, to create nutrient dense food that way, on and on and on. We're doing it more in the U.S. There are possibly hundreds of billions starting to pour into uh, regenerative, so-called regenerative agriculture, climate smart agriculture. But I think what's being neglected and where I had decided fairly arbitrarily to plant myself, literally and figuratively, was in the developing world. Because all across the tropical belt, there is this degraded land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in in alchemy and the Bible, you know, it says the, the uh, the philosopher's stone, the, the, the pearl of great price is the stone the builders cast aside. You know, the throwaway land, throwaway people, people that are just marginalized, lands that's marginalized, that might be our salvation. So we are, uh, I'll mention that I mentioned in passing that we sort of evolved in a very organic way, this idea of the regenerative society. So not just regenerative agriculture, not just regenerative this or that, but what is a society that functions in a regenerative way? And that's kind of caught on uh, in coastal Kenya. And uh, really just two weeks ago, Again, out of nowhere, um, somebody called me and we had a five hour conversation, a Kenyan a woman in Kenya, who works with a new public private consortium in, in coastal Kenya that, that is uh, six counties, uh, which are states essentially, four of mm. which we work in. And um, out of that has evolved the possibility that I don't, can't talk too much about because it's nascent, but for demonstrating uh, the viability of the regenerative society model in a development plan um, that could be actually quite well funded. So it would be going from having spent a lot of time pretty close to the ground and uh, simply trying to do things with the most authenticity that we could as effectively as we could mm -hmm. and to learn that may now uh, be magnified by powers of 10 as things happen right it's like homeopathy little a little dose sometimes can cure the body so i i think that we are all all of us right very conscious of scale right capitalization how essential it is for trillions of dollars to be ported from the degenerative economy to the regenerative economy within five to 10 years. Uh, some, some would say five, I would say five. Well, uh, well, this brings you know. us to such an interesting point in the conversation though, right? Like I'm with you in theory, conceptually thinking, we need to pour money from the degenerative society, the destructive society that, you know, we've talked about this in other episodes quite a bit, like that's based on- extraction yeah. destruction and death basically death of the soil <laughs> death of animals right there's there's this whole reality to it that we don't want to digress in today but yeah very but good in, did you just formulate that just now extraction distraction and death 
Yeah. No, that's, I mean it's it's good. it's it's very visible, right? It's very visible. Yeah. At the the at distraction part being very important too. Yeah, and ten the years ago, part. yeah, yeah, ten years ago, I would have probably naively said, "Oh no, these are all just people trying their best." And there's probably many people trying their best in big institutions, but there there is still like a force that's actually really destroying the planet. And so the people that are, you know, building something else, I think. We're also realizing money itself is one of the crux um, kind of points here. It's, it's one, of, one of those bridges that if we have different uh, economic sense making, if we are able to forest, sorry, to, to bank the way the forest banks, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe this change can happen even way quicker. Maybe the old power players are, 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 are going to have to shuffle a little bit and, and move into a, a different and new power structure. And, you know, technologically yeah. speaking, I mean, I think everyone who's heard about the the the, the blockchain and and the ledger technology is hoping that it can turn into that tool for us. What's your point of view on, on, on that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very complex question right now. Yeah. It? So a lot of good intentions become kind of a Mobius strip. You know, you think of mm. uh, twelve uh, Gnostic Jews sitting around having a seder in the first century. You know, at the beginning of the first century, and next thing you know, it's the the Holy Roman Empire. Um, a lot of things, you know, are sucked up by the existing systems, you know, so mm -hmm. we make systems and systems make us mm -hmm. and how to hack that in a way that's enduring and is generally, a, you know, a genuine transformative departure, right, that, that actually affects transformation and doesn't just put old wine in, in, in new bottles is, is a challenge throughout history. And we're seeing in the blockchain world what that turned into, you know, I'm sorry, but a lot of FOMO and greed and envy and all, and, uh, you know, pyramidal uh, fortunes being built and eventually um, it, uh, being to some extent a tool of finance capital, uh, exactly what everybody said they oh, were yeah. getting away from, right? So that happens all the time. That first um, bubble definitely happened exactly as you just said, and that, that bubble is bursting continuously, but the, the technology underneath it still holds the promise, no? It could, it could. I mean, mm. if we can solve, obviously, carbon emissions, and if we really do go to proof of stake, and if that works, and there are a lot of ifs, right? I mean, there are a lot of, uh, Sweden, for example, uh, I think uh, uh, came you know down hard on the blockchain industry, uh, not for the usual reasons, but because they were using all the renewable energy to generate money, <laughs> essentially, right? And the, the, the Swede, Swedish government felt, hey, we're trying to build a regenerative economy here to actually do goods and services. And all the power is going to computational uh, operations, right, for blockchain. So um, it's, very, uh, it's very early days. Uh, how this will genuinely play out. I mean, we are engaged with that. We, we have a grant uh, from um, Chainlink Labs and uh, that came very serendipitously. And uh, we created a, a proposal for something called the uh, AIRS project, Automated Incentives for Regenerative Stewardship uh, that we're regarding as, a, as a, a, a grand experiment and a small experiment at the moment in uh, what people are starting to call refi, right? So can there be regenerative finance? Can that work? Can we really figure out those mechanisms? Um, we're looking at it at the moment as just trying to generate superior um, um, monitoring and evaluation um, so that we really know, for example, if people are talking about carbon in the soil, there's a lot of, I'm sorry to say, a lot of bogusness about that, right? About, uh, well, how deep does the carbon go? Is it below 20 centimeters? Are you really creating soil organic matter? Or is it really uh, meeting the criteria of additionality and permanence? Or is it just a bit of a shock, you know, that, and using a glamorous sounding technology to augment that uh, to, you know, uh, because there is a, a run, a kind of a shortage really of, of carbon credits, right? So um, for example, um, indigo, agriculture, but uh, I think made some announcement the last couple of days that they're uh, selling carbon at $40 a ton now. They were buying it for 15 and it was once as low as five. So there's kind of a rush for projects, right? To, I mean, a lot of people are trying to put the info layer, right? The new, the new FinTech on top of whatever's happening on the ground, 
we've taken the point of view we want to we want to generate and regenerate everything from the ground up not from the you know not from the top down so we are if anything kind of vertically integrated to an extent right now but it's all based on what is truthfully happening on the ground and how do we really measure that in an honest way and how do we make sure that we're building wealth in communities not just replicating an extractive model the way I'm afraid a lot of charities might do and say, well, hey, you're making more, your your daily wage has gone up from $2 to $3. So, you know, job done. Um, no, I mean, this is really returning power and, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the wealth that people inherently uh, own uh, and, and um, back to the, the, the people that are creating it. And um, I think that the idea of re regenerating degraded land in particular, is interesting because nobody wants it right it's like if if it's not it doesn't it it doesn't have a lot of value but it could have a lot of value it could be uh that that becomes part of the basis that we all talk about of could there be a money based on the ultimate store value which is the well-being of and thriving of people and planet of landscapes exactly. and communities right. how do we how do we instantiate that how does that become a technology that can't be uh, kind of rapidly sucked up into the existing system. Because you know that, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and everybody else are all over this now. And the whales own, what's the percentage these days of, of the mm. crypto world? 40 to 50%, right? So it's turned into something different than it started with. Uh, and we have to start asking ourselves, okay, what does real community mean? Not just we think a Shiba Inu dog is cute, and maybe if we all jump into the into the pool at the same time, the early adopters and the middle adopters will get rich. That obviously, I mean that that dream is dead right now, and it wasn't a very good dream in the first place because it was just replicating the existing system, uh, right? In a lot of ways. So how do how do we do something? I'm just blabbering on here, but but I think the question we're up against is how do we do something genuinely new that actually does foster health and well-being yeah a, yeah a... and I, and that's why I, I wanted to let you talk a little bit here because i think it, <laughs> it's also in, important yeah. to really you know you know note a few things for one is we still don't really know but we understand that at the current rate of how things are working everything as you said a few times gets sucked up in this kind of old way of doing things through geopolitical power uh through you know financial oligarchical power like it's it's these constructs as, as as uncomfortable they make us to look at them and to really kind of unidentify from maybe our our um you know formerly perceived identities and then realize okay so well but who are we as a species without being american or being german or being capitalist or being this or that like you know these 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 labels when we let them go and rest for a bit i think fascinatingly in my life it just always brings me back to a very simple understanding that I've in in my journey of traveling a lot I've, I've met everywhere in the world in every human being once you're able to connect without connecting through money uh, identity through sports or nationality um, you know when you actually when you have your hands on the soil for example there is a clear remembering I'm a human being. I'm I'm here to I'm here in symbiosis with the earth. And you know that's why I said when we learn how to bank like the forest does, I believe that the biological world is already showing it to us. But our our reductionist way of conceptualizing or you know our, our belief in cartesian darwinian uh, philosophies that might or might not be entirely true, you know, they they limit us to rediscover the simplicity that the biology already shows us like mm -hmm. everything is in a very complex chaos or in a be very beautiful order is not competing but working together in an exchange and an interplay right yeah and there is co-opetition as well right i was just talking to someone this morning about deception one of the things we've all experienced in our lives right and uh, advertising and things but nature does that too Right, the flower imitates uh, the, uh, the 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 female of a certain uh, pollinator species in order to attract the pollinators. Right, it's it's they're fooling them. You know, there are a lot of things in nature that are, you know, not not uh, as we know hearts and flowers. It's just it's a very complex system that involves uh, 
competition as well as cooperation. And we are obliged to take the whole thing into account. We, we can't we can't pretend it's, it's otherwise. And so, um, you know, again, how how does the new thing that regeneration represents, the old thing that it represents, not become uh, a sort of another version of sustainability, which is, you know, here's the window dressing of regeneration, right? Uh, here is uh, essentially finance capital gussied up and dressed up in a different way. Um, yeah. and, and the enabling mechanism, we start with enabling mechanisms and then it becomes the myth of Frankenstein, right? We, it's to enable the good that we want to do. Next thing we know, it's actually creating something quite different. And we're, you know, so I'm not being pessimistic. I think we're evolving toward something that basically, let's look at it teleologically and this kind of reverse engineering. It has to work. <laughs> Somewhere in the relatively near future, we have figured this out. Because yeah. if we haven't, yeah, we're fairly cooked. I don't think it's human extinction. I don't, don't go that far, but it's not going to be a very viable civilization. It's our, we're already seeing that, uh, even to sociologically. So, Mark, Mark, at that point, I'm, I'm going to want to ask you about, you know, your your dream for for the Earth, your dream for the planet, your dream for the next seven generations um, ahead of us. Like, what what do you what world do you do you see we can we can leave for those generations following us? Well, I think it's it, ironically not so ironically. I don't think we've ever been at this juncture before. I think there have been seemingly apocalyptic moments there have been millenarian movements that say we're about you know but now it's real we have never been able to commit ecocide in the history human beings have never been able to do it. we can't uh we you know and so it's uh obviously we need to think about seven generations but i find myself thinking more about again five to ten years and and for myself five I, I just feel that we need to greatly accelerate in an extremely bold way and figure out how to do it and assume it can be done. Um, the, the marshalling of people of goodwill and, and uh, consciousness of this that I think constitutes a, an emergent civilization of probably at least a billion people. I, I think a lot of people, you've traveled a lot and you, I'm sure you found this everywhere. People have come to very similar realizations, maybe without without a lot of input from, you know, the regenerative movement or whatever. It's just it's just something that's arisen in their in their lives and their environment hmm. and their minds. And um, I, I'm looking for ways that we can self-aggregate uh, and actually, you know, sort of admit to ourselves that we're, we're part of this emergent civilization. Uh, and we can't, and we're not dispensing with the existing one. We, it has to be transformational. It's it, revolutions generally don't work out all that well because you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. So you know, I, I'm not, I'm not discounting that central banks could have a role. You look at Delton Chen's proposal, which I'm starting to look into more deeply. Uh, it involves central banking systems. It involves some kind of hybridization. Um, to simply declare that uh, in a libertarian sort of way, oh, we're all banks now, we have these coins. You know, it's going to be, we're going to have to look at the ground from which all this is springing, uh, which is, again, a mixed bag, um, but be, be sort of pragmatic about it. Um, we, we, uh, so what do we want to leave? Well, obviously, we want to leave utopia. <laughs> I think, I think mm -hmm. that uh, um, there was a group when I was going to college called the Living Theater. They were an experimental theater group. And they're one of their, the uh, pieces that it was called Paradise Now. And, uh, you know, you have people, at, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but there's a, 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 a Yale uh, uh, School of Forestry guy, I think, who says we have to transform the world into a, a food producing paradise, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mean through uh, agroecology. But, um, if you look at the recent experiment in uh, Sri Lanka of a, uh, an almost immediate overnight shift to organic agriculture, it's a devastating failure, uh, not just because organic agriculture can't scale. There are a lot of other reasons, balance of trade payments, all the rest of it, why, why that has failed. But everybody knows, including you know, the Sri Lankans, that it's failed. So what, one of the things they didn't do was integrate and, and look at how this could be done more gradually, more, you know, with, with a real, really well worked out plan. 
Um, we are hoping, frankly, to create a model of the regenerative society in coastal Kenya that can spread throughout Kenya and through Kenya to the rest of the continent. So that is a more maybe grandiose idea than we've had uh, in you know, the, the, the years that we've been working there, just trying to keep going and develop these ideas. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm sort of advocating, I guess, grandiosity is the wrong term, but to think grandly. Well, or you us to not dream, definitely dream big. Dream big. Um, go bigger, go you know, home. I, go, I mean, there's nothing I, to no point being full and no false humility is not going to be very useful. Right, right. But then there's also this this point where we want to really become, you know, transparently mature uh, around who are key players with which interests. Like when you speak about central banks, for example, for me personally all the alarm flags go off, go off because this is they you know, one, of, one of the things is one of the things that, you know, usually disempowers, let's say smaller regions like Kenya. And I'm not holding to that. I mean, we, yeah, we yeah. Uh, devised, I think, probably the first viable community echo currency, which was just a, a paper voucher system. And mm -hmm. it works beautifully. And we think it can scale. But mm -hmm. I, I let's not central bank is a little bit yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm just saying that there is a banking system. It, it exists. Um, there is no way to pretend it doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. I'm not convinced we can replace it overnight. So there's going to have to be some kind of dialogue. It's like a, a overnight success 10 years in the making. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, will, it will take time and it will take many, many experiments. And um, Mark, I'm so glad you made the time and that you are you know, um, co-founder, co-initiator, and, 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 you know, just in the, the path of running some of those experiments, running some of those mm -hmm. projects and, and empowering people, encouraging them to, to do that in their, their local bioregion, just like in coastal Kenya or in other projects we talked about, like Ethiopia. And I you know there's Mexico and India on the map of green world. And, and so keep doing what you're doing and let's, let's share the learnings and let, let's see where, you know where the where the fruit really starts to 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 show up because I, I i believe we still don't really know as you said we know we have to and we know that there's a complex system that is currently still you know distracting and dis destroying some of those players who are running that old system might have to move out of the power equation Yes, but I, I I personally believe only the people and the power of the people in their bioregions are able to really carry it because that's who's going to do it in the end anyway. Yeah, so I'm well, so we've been operating on that assumption. See that, um, and yeah. and uh, the idea of working with banks is sort of a new a new concept. I was just up at the Aspen Ideas Festival, and people were bringing up Delvin Chen's work. I haven't looked into it deeply enough, but um, yeah. ideal. You know, I mean, I, I would say this: we have kind of built. Uh, a utopian experiment in, in, in the coastal Kenya, but it needs to scale. And I can tell you, frankly, I don't know where that capital is going to come from. I mean, I would love to think it will come from, you know, uh, maybe philanthropy. Maybe people don't have, aren't interested in ownership and a vested interest. It may, uh, but it's not easy to scale that way either. Mm. And, and that system has its own flaws. So, I mean, the, 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 can... You know, DeFi, ReFi, DAOs. I mean, is that, will that do it? Uh, we don't know, right? I, we, I just we think we have, to, no. we have to look at the, at, at, at everything and, and but, look at but the there's something, there's something really interesting what you just said. Just, you know, I'm, I'm going to take that extra minute as we're wrapping the episode. But, you know, the notion of scale, now I understand it from the perspective of like, we are a, you know, a, a, a big planet or, you know, a small planet in the context of the Milky Way and the universe around us, but we, we are a pretty big planet. And so there's humans doing things all over the place. So we can't, you know, bring the whole ecosystem into balance just by doing something in Kenya. Now that, that makes sense to me, but the notion of scale in my mind goes back to, to associations I would have learned in like, you know, economy classes in university back in Germany, yeah, which a, are very a, much the old It's system. a dirty word in, in regeneration. And maybe but at the same time, the right scale might mean something new in regeneration, something we don't even know how to define yet, which is that the model you made in Kenya is so holistically decentralized, really just works for that bioregion, that another bioregion can copy it, but they can be so inspired by that 
this bioregion Kenya or coastal Kenya has has figured something out that that is the new idea of scale like I don't know I'm just you know kind of well, throwing I mean, it in I, the mix here. I think replication and scale are correctly attributed to the old system and and mm. in a way don't have a place in discussions of regeneration where everything is local everything is specific but you're dealing with certain I don't even want to say algorithms but certain mm. principles right mm. maybe yeah, the only principle we have is whatever that we we trusted the generative capacity of mm. the landscape and the communities to tell us what to do and uh maybe that's the only thing that's uh, one of the only things that's transferable uh along with certain basic practices but we don't you know we don't know as as we're saying i mean can we but we most of us we believe agroecology could feed the world we think that agro agribusiness is um uh, it's propaganda to some extent right the green revolution is petering out it's it's had a lot of bad side effects on and on but i don't know for a fact i don't think anybody does and could say okay we can make this mass conversion back to that system um and that is going to save us well we, we will have to try but we, the cool thing that trying. the cool thing that, that, <laughs> that we're landing on here is is that not knowing means we'll have to do it with beginner's mind which which then outrules to do, make the same mistakes again because someone um, argues with 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 strong lawyers and lots of capital for the existing system. It's like, well, that's not beginner's mind at all, right? Yeah. So the beginner's mind is, I think, a, a very important part of the equation. I'll meet you there, Mark. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm committed to listen and record and broadcast about it. Yeah, which is wonderful. I mean, we know that the agro-industrial system has, has failed in a million ways. The mm. military-industrial system, the... Uh, uh, you know, medical industrial system, they they have. And so it's a shell of something. It's sort of the dinosaur phase, maybe, or maybe mm. not. Maybe the hungry caterpillar phase. It turns <laughs> yeah. into the butterfly, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark, yeah. for taking the time, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing some Thanks. of your experiences, and for, you know, just walking the walk you do in the world. Thank you for taking the time with me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Talk more, maybe, another time. Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap the recording here, but the um, yeah. that was awesome. Let's definitely stay connected. And, uh, sure. you know, you enjoy the beautiful afternoon that I can still see in your backyard happening. Yeah, I would I would actually, I feel like we were just getting started, actually. Yeah. And, and I would like to continue this conversation. Yeah, uh, I, I'd love to make conversations like yeah. this on like almost like a round table format where we have like three or four people come together mm -hmm. and go longer so that, it, you know, because as you said, we're meeting in the beginning and then you start seeing, okay, this is where, mm -hmm. yeah, because we yeah, all, I learning. mean, that whole, that whole conversation, I mean, I should probably shouldn't have brought up central banks. It's just been on my oh, mind I love that you did. as a, <laughs> as a, as a conundrum because, because they exist, Look, you know, the, but, but it is, isn't, it isn't certainly the thing I want to be putting across. No, but, you, but you're so right. Like we, we can pretend that certain things don't exist. You know, I, I never used to talk about geopolitical uh, power plays in the first days of recording these podcasts, but you know, I've, I've gone to meetings like Davos and other meetings and it's like, it's excuse my French, but it's just a whole bunch of BS when when people conceptually sit in rooms to make choices about how they can make more money it's like maybe some people have good intentions je ne sais quoi like i don't know I, but I, what i'm noticing is that the person who in in coastal kenya needs to eat from the soil that is on their earth there mm -hmm. that's never going to connect you know it's never yeah. going to so so that person ideally takes care of of themselves and their community yeah. and so that's where, for me, it started spinning. Well, inherently, that, it's extractive, right? Yeah, no you, what can't, they say. yeah. you can't pretend right. that someone master planning uh, like a game plan might have very negative but, but, consequences. But, but I'll tell you that we were before COVID struck. I was creating, you know, I, I, I did the, um, I don't know if you know about Regen 18. It was. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw uh, it. I, I read so, up. You're right. So, so I, I partnered with the people that founded SOCAP, who were really coming from a different place than I was, by the way. And um, it was, uh, that led to, and it was successful as 500 people there that I think really needed to talk to each other. But then I thought, well, how do we do this? How, how can we do an alternative to Davos, which mm -hmm. is nonetheless bringing in um, people who have a certain degree of power and influence and understanding of the system that want yeah. to make a change and see if it's even possible. You know, how could we have that level of dialogue? And we actually had reserved a, uh, 
place called Coe Palace in Coe, Switzerland, outside of Geneva. Oh, cool. And we were starting to invite people and uh, COVID struck. We couldn't do it. Hmm. But I think we need those kinds of gatherings that are not just our tribe, you know, but the other tribes too. I mean, and and it may be that they're beyond redemption. The system is beyond redemption. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you on that. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, well, with that. Uh, you know, the prigogine, you know, like like uh, dissipative I, structures. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, this is where where it's paradoxical to talk about it, because I say this now because I'm becoming aware of the responsibility of broadcasting is that uh. it needs to be said that these systems are beyond recovery. However, that doesn't mean we shouldn't all be meeting and have more meetings with more people so that more of us are in these conversations and dialogues and and finding different solutions for different bioregions, like that is probably how the process will happen. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's paradoxical in that sense, because since I don't know, I just believe that, as you said, we will get there this way or that way at some point. Yeah, I think that's at the, uh, you know, when you look at religion, they have eschatology, right? It's sort of like in the, I'm not, I don't know, Buddhist, obviously, but the Christians have this idea, Jesus has already returned, it's somewhere in the future, and we're experiencing mm -hmm. the emanations of that re return. That's their theology. Mm -hmm. I think that there, there are emanations from the future in a way, right? Like we have solved this someplace in the, the in the three times that comprise our, our it, 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 collective, I, you know, I, our, I, our I consciousness. I feel that, yeah. I mean, yeah. time is... is and we don't know how we did it, yeah. But we have to assume, and if we and if we we can pick up on that, we might get some we might get some clues. You know, and this is where this is where when I when I hear you say that, what comes up for me is we we can only solve it if the people that are currently in power positions are not the most powerful people anymore. I'm totally with you what you said in the episode earlier. Like that doesn't mean we're gonna make a revolution and like need to bloody kill them. Mm -hmm. That would be, you know, pretty nonsensical. But but the 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 oligarchical and the the geopolitical power construct is becoming so obviously um like not just unethically a problem, but it's it's becoming so obviously a path to a a destructive future. It, it gets paradigmatically locked in a certain it's way. It's just locked into that direction. Yeah. Mm. And so since that's not going to benefit most of the people anyway, and plus it's locked into that direction, it's like, well, maybe it's just time to really put that aside. And now again, the transition is going to be a big question, Mike. But the goal we know is that no matter if you live in California, in Canada, in Brazil, where, where I do go a lot, in Kenya, you're going to experience a thriving local community, a thriving bioregion. Very, very, very likely all of these bioregions talk to each other. But so the, the path has to likely be both like top down and, and up, like, you know, like bottom up. Because if your coastal Kenyan community isn't taking care of itself, and we might or might not see this in the next year or two, is like, they could just get locked out of the global food system. Well, good luck then. You're all going to oh, die. No question. I mean, we're doing something called the Moringa Moonshot, which yeah. is could replace 15% of the wheat imports to Africa, right? And But here's the thing I want to mention. I mean, I don't know if you have time. I'm keeping you from lunch. I got to make lunch, but I mean, yeah. you know, I got I to climb in 30 minutes. But, oh, okay. I mean, tell I'm me the example. The conversation. <laughs> so, well, the example is that... Um, that began with just having learned about moringa trees and my malarial fugue state in, in mm -hmm. Ethiopia and thinking, oh my God, what an amazing tree. I never heard of that. So I brought it, I, I kind of emphasized it in some of our Moringa. Programs. Yeah, it's the moringa. best. Moringa. Yeah, the yeah. best. And and but moringa could regenerate degraded land all over the world, all over the tropical belt. It's a major, major, it's not a specialty smoothie powder, right? It it could be a an important uh keystone species in agroecological mm -hmm. systems in brazil they talk about this just the same way i just spent uh time on a uh, an agroforestry project 10 eight years in the making and same moringa they I mean it's like they're yeah they're, they're, right. they're king you know so the example is so we've been doing it you know again this has all been homemade and believe me i've been a permanent exile from any system that i can think of uh so i have i've just avoided my boss you know what you're saying just build our own 
just just make the new thing. Don't don't think about the old thing. Mm. And I've done that up until now. But and you know the way I also observe the way things emerge. It's the process of emergence, right? So what is emerging organically are interfaces with much larger institutions that I've avoided all along. I haven't mm. even related to major charities. It's just like fuck it, you know. We'll work for nothing. Then you can't control us because yeah, you're not yeah. paying us, right? No, it's totally a great freedom you. in that, but you 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 don't get as much done. And uh, so the Moringa moonshot is now Rutgers, uh, UC Davis. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, those are the, those are uh, oh uh, Hebrew University of Jerusalem. I've oh, wow. found all the people, these people kind of sequestered within these places, the systems who are good people, who are brilliant innovators in Moringa and, and uh, horticulture, who get the whole model, but they're in these systems that are interfacing, look, you see Davis, with, with Gates, with agribusiness, with all the big bad guys, that's part, now my guy there, not so much, but he's part of that system. The guy at Rutgers, part of a university system, it's, it, which is, you know, in, in phase lock with the various industrial systems that we abhor and the financial systems however they can do things they they can do things at a different scale and i and i think i've picked the people who are not going to screw it up who actually see the world i vet, I vet things very carefully right for years this has been five or six years with these people um i think they will be able to aggregate some of the resources needed to do that the uh regenerative society project right it's still very small it's been very small for 10 years that we've been doing it. It's grown, it's developed, it's become a model that we can talk about, maybe propagate. However, because of this uh, uh, synchronicity, whatever you want to call it, I have now, and this is confidential, you know, if you don't mind, but um, yeah. you know, we're, we're now in a very deep conversation with a, a large uh, consortium uh, that is a coastal development consortium, public-private partnerships. Um, you know, just, I mean, it's everybody. So it's industry, it's mm. culture, it's Swahili culture, it's agriculture, it's the government, which we have avoided like the plague. I've had nothing to do with any government for this project deliberately. Like, no, don't want your money. Don't want the camel get his nose under the tent. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've liked not having money in one way. No mafia, mm. no corrupt officials show up. Nobody's able to strong armors and nothing for them to steal. Yeah. That's great, but we haven't scaled. And let's not use the term scale. Say let's say natural growth. But whatever has to happen to make this phase shift, this this uh, you know, um, what, that, that would be an interesting one to define the word scale in in new ways. But I hear you. Way. You know that the, the thing is that at the end of the day everywhere there are going to be really good people as well in all of the organizations entities even in the governments i mean but the power grip systematically and through our legal systems and through the capital that funds the legal systems yeah well, look at america like yeah i mean america has <laughs> oh a prime God, example you know, right yeah i mean but the whole world it really operates like this at this point that power grip is is still a challenge. And so one of the last really exciting uh, interviews, I mean, they're, they're all exciting in, for me, but exciting in terms of something new is, um, has been with Earth Equity, who makes sure that, you know, the natural world has a legal representation in, in, in any signed deal, ultimately, because right. imagine in your, whatever deal you're going to sign with whatever players, mm there's also like a, a legal right for the river, the mountain and the tree that can be mm. defended in court by a independent for the entity of the, the river, mountain or tree uh, that, you know, so they basically need to gain personhood to have that legal right in, in, in court. And I don't know how that would be in Kenya, but, but, mm. but then these are little steps forward to make sure that no matter what could also go sideways in the future can continue to stay in integrity continue to be in attunement and alignment because the natural world can actually beat our legal and our uh money um world right and currently it's 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 just impossible for the natural world to beat the capital world mm -hmm. that also needs to change and so that might well, as you say it's kind of the eight, the eight kinds of capital 
need yeah. to be the norm, the normal model, yeah. of course, right? And and that might very well include that in the future, of course, we will have forms of governments and forms of banks. I have no idea how that's going to pan out. So they, no one's our enemy. We just got to really, really, really understand who are the players and what are their, you know, visible and invisible intentions. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm going into the heart of darkness in, in a certain way. I think yeah. I found people that are compatible. I think, yeah. but it's new. It's just a, this is a two week old conversation again. It's very exciting. Us, yeah. But it is all the players, and it is six states of of the of coastal Kenya. It will I I it will inevitably affect the whole country. Kenya, exactly. uh, in turn, is the linchpin of finance. You know, it's the financial center. It's the tech center. Nairobi is the Geneva of, of Africa, mm-hmm. and um, they are the certainly one of the leaders and leaders in a new twenty-one nation common market. But it's a free market economy, right? So these are all things that you know the worm is in the apple already. And in so, to be honest, sometimes I think, well, five years, can we get five years of relatively uncorrupt uh, activity? You know, that would be we, a get, big we could just get that much with the yeah. with the with the assumption that yeah, it's been very hard to keep to keep it from going south uh, when you're dealing with uh, a fallen world, if you will. You know, but we need but to, like we the need phoenix to, out of the ashes we, we yeah. need to make moves now and so it's we need like to make you're, moves now you're part of a move now that as you said it will and this is another delusion that we all hold in our humanness like everything that's good is going to also do something wrong we, we we have to stop pretending that there's only going to be silver bullets that solve all the problems it's like no mm-hmm. so so if there's massive steps forward and a little bit of steps sideways you know that that still is it's really good, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I think that is really, I mean, getting out the basic regenerative paradigm mm. is incredibly critical because it isn't out yet, really. Most people are still mm. not. And you're doing something incredibly important just doing that, you know, trying to, trying to- um, Thank you. I mean- Refine it, you know, and help- I don't, I don't know where it. you're gonna be next year in, in March, April, but I am gonna host a regenerative summit or like a mastermind summit in Brazil at Terra Buma, mm. this regenerative mm. project I told you about. I have uh, Celine Cousteau already confirmed to come. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. One of my former interview guests. Um, let's stay in touch about that. I don't have the website and everything ready, but basically mm-hmm. I think what I want to, one of the things I feel like, responsible for with the broadcasting part is that look what if i can bring 30 people like you myself and celine together in brazil on a place that's already doing it in a very very important bioregion for brazil very close to the amazon um that's another part of 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 like a davos you know it's like that's a conspiracy Mm -hmm. in itself we'll all be breathing together so but but i think it's going to be very important to do that in natural places where sounds like you're you're doing in kenya it would be another place where to host something like that where Mm -hmm. it's already like just by being there for a week your whole body will remember that it's possible yeah yeah it's sort of like the uh you know an old lefty so it's like it's like the international you know it started then people began to link up and that was kind of a labor movement right but um it does it has a lot of power when you start to do that Um, and yeah, I mean, I would say absolutely, but I, I think that the, you gotta go. 